0: One of the things that's really popular on the internet right now pertains to music videos which have isolated the vocal of one person. And so all you can hear is this one person singing. You can't hear the drums. You can't hear the musical instruments. And sometimes they even remove the voices of the backup singers. Singers, yes. I think that's the way it's supposed to be pronounced. Anyway, but it's really amazing how bad someone can sound when it's just him or her. you know. And there's one particular, I think it's Adri- Adriana Grande or something like that. She does a lot of dancing and things in hers. And so when you just have her voice and you can't hear the music, you can't hear the backup singers, and there's all kinds of people dancing around her and she's singing, well, you know, it was never intended to be that way. And, uh, but one of the more popular videos on the web is a live performance by Paul McCartney's band where they do Hey Jude. They're performing Hey Jude in an outdoor auditorium is packed full of excited concert goers. The unfortunate thing is that whoever posted this video isolated the voice of of McCartney's wife, Linda McCartney. Now, Linda McCartney was known for her stellar vocals and uh, her, her beautiful backup. She played the keyboard and sang backup for Paul and the band after the Beatles broke up. And she did some amazing stuff. She was a remarkable remarkable vocalist. But in the live performance, I don't know if she had a bad night or couldn't hear the rest of the singers over the crowd singing along. You know how that goes. But whoever isolated her vocals and posted it on the Internet was just plain cruel. The video has portions where you can hear the four full performance and the musicians and the singers, and it it really is amazing. And there's, if you've ever seen, you know, Paul McCartney on on video when they do "Hey Jude," you know, as soon as he starts "Hey Jude," you know, everybody just breaks into a scream if they're not already standing. They they stand up, and there's those parts where he'll say, "Okay, now just the boys." And they'll go, nah, 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 you know, and they'll, then he'll say the girls only. And everybody's just totally getting into that, and it really sounds incredible. The audience is into it, the band is into it. But then at key moments on the video, Linda McCartney's vocals are isolated. And you can hear her voice plainly enough just to know that she's, she's way off-tune. But in the entire scheme of the things, her playing the keyboard, even her vocals, are part of one of the most popular performances and songs of all time. And it's partly because of the exhilarating audience and their participation. It's considered one of the greatest performances where the audience is totally engaged, whether he does it in Hyde Park or he does it in Russia or wherever it is. He gets the crowd into it. And the video is just a cheap trick by someone who wanted... A lot of hits on the internet at someone else's expense. You know the live audience heard and participated in that perfect blend of vocals, guitars, piano, keyboard, drums. They got to sing along with Paul McCartney and his band as with one voice they joyfully sang and they sang out. In Romans chapter 15 verses 5 and 6 the Apostle Paul wants his readers and us as well to produce a symphony of praise to God. There is to be a harmonious spirit as we lift our voices together in praise of Jesus Christ. No one focused on isolated voices. No one focused on themselves. No one focused on their neighbor. Everyone totally focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the goal of our worship. In fact, it's also the goal of our service to one another, our service for Christ. It's the goal of our love for one another, our work or whatever we do. Remember that in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Or as Paul put it here in Romans 15, verse 6, as the church of Jesus Christ with one voice, literally it says with one mouth, With one mouth, literally, we joyfully glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, this is the Apostle's, what someone has said, his prayer wish. As Paul does so many times in all his letters, in verse 5 here of Romans chapter 15, Paul pauses to pray for his readers. And he prays for us as well, and he records his prayer for their benefit. He says in verse five, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ. And so first of all, so that we might be one voice, God gives perseverance and encouragement to be of the same mind with one another. Now in verse four. He says, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that we may, through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so here we see that in verse 4, through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we have hope. That's where hope comes from. Here we see that Paul prays for God to give us perseverance and encouragement so that we might be of the same mind with one another. So it takes the same perseverance and the same encouragement of the scriptures to maintain our harmonious spirit as it does to maintain our hope. The source is the same. And Paul says that it's completely dependent on God's power. It is God who gives perseverance. It is God who gives encouragement. And it is God who grants to be of the same mind with one another. So, Verse 4 about hope is essentially a call to rely on God, to rely on God's power through his word, through the scriptures. And verse 5 is essentially a call to God for us to rely on his power through prayer. So there's the word of God and there is, is prayer. And what we are to pray for and trust God for is to be of the same mind with one another. Literally, the, the phrase translated, the same mind, means literally, to think the same thing. To think the same thing. We are to think the same thing. That's really kind of strange, isn't it? How on earth can we all think <laughs> the same thing? I guarantee it, right now we're not all thinking the same thing. Some of us have heard the pastor and some of us haven't. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I, I know how that, how that works. And how do we think the same thing with the hotly debated views that we've seen here in Romans chapter 14 and 15 about eating meat or eating vegetables only, what days to hold sacred, and all the differences of opinion on those non-essential matters. And so we know right off the bat that here, to think the same thing cannot mean that we have the same opinion on a matter. That's not what it's talking about here. We all have our opinions and those are going to differ The two groups in Rome, Uh, it's not meaning that they come to an agreement on whether to eat meat or to eat only vegetables. That's never going to happen, and they'll never fully agree on that or any matters like that that are not essential to our faith and practice. Rather than to come to an agreement on the issues or to have the same opinion, Paul said we are to accept one another. Remember that back in verse 1 of of chapter 14? Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. And then Paul goes on to say in chapter 14, Paul says, don't judge one another. Don't condemn one another. Don't criticize one another. Do not tear down the work of God. How, How can we build up the body of Christ by tearing it down? That makes no sense whatsoever, but build it up. Everything that we say should be a word of edification to build others up. Never tear them down. No, Paul is not asking them to have the same opinions. Rather, Paul is asking God to give them, despite their differences of opinions, a common perspective and purpose. That they hold a common mindset or a view of, of what they are doing and who they are supposed to be. You see, all those thousands of people singing Hey Jude along with the band had a common purpose. Their common purpose was what? Well, probably to have a blast at a concert, singing a song along, uh, singing a song along with Paul McCartney. I can tell you to this day, everybody who heard one of those performances of Hey Jude, they're still talking about it today. You know, in, in conversation, yeah, yeah, I got to go to Hyde Park, or I got to go wherever it was and, and hear that concert. And personally, I don't give a rip about that. <laughs> that. That's not my thing. You know, I like the melody of the song. But I don't like loud concerts, and I don't like those kinds of crowds. I don't like mosh pits or whatever they call them down at the front and those k- kind of things. And, and I don't want to get someplace and stand in line for 12 hours or whatever it is and then get in there and be all packed together and, and thing. And I really don't understand what the song's all about anyway. Who is Jude? Anybody can answer that for me? No. I really don't care. And I don't understand why the song elicits such a strong response. But they do get an emotional response. Ever since the Beatles sang on the Ed Sullivan show in the 60s and to this day, the girls start screaming as soon as now 78-year-old Paul McCartney starts singing. You know, Everybody goes crazy. They still go wild. I don't get Jude. But they do. And the people in the audience have all kinds of differences of opinion on politics and everything. You know, if you could go to that audience today and we had the same situation, you know, they would have a different view on everything that's going on in the world. They differ on race. They would differ on vegans. They would differ on religion. But at that point in time, they are united in their purpose. And with one voice, they sing one song. And you don't see, while the concert is going on, you don't see a single person criticizing and judging the person next to them. You know, you got bad breath, maybe, but I don't know, <laughs> you, know you know, and, and so they're, they're not doing that at that point, and that doesn't mean that, hey Jude, is the solution to world peace. You know, if we just get everybody together around some common thing, because I guarantee you, as soon as they leave the parking lot, or as soon as they leave the concert, if they can get out without getting bumped into, and they get in the parking lot, you think they're a whole different person, <laughs> you know, as they're trying to get out of the parking lot than they were in, in the concert. You know, and so I can't, I, you know, nor sh- we shouldn't be, nor could I be united with them in their purpose of Hey Jude. Because I don't have their view. I don't have their mindset. I don't think the same thing about Jude as they do. But here is the question. So what is it that we are to say, think the same things about, to have the same mindset as Christian? What is it? that brings that harmonious spirit where we lift our voices as one voice together. We sing as one voice and we're not just a bunch of isolated voices in, in the midst of a crowd. Look at verse 5 again. He says, Romans chapter 15, Now the, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement Grant you to be of the same mind with one another, what? According to Christ Jesus. According to Christ Jesus. Being of the same mind is based on Jesus Christ. It's thinking the same thing about a matter, whatever it is, as Jesus thinks. You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do here we have, and I'm not very good with acronyms this way, w, I have to write it down, W-D-J-T. What would Jesus think? The is, what does Jesus think? We are to have the mind of Christ. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the 16th verse. Because here we see what the, a description of and also an example of what it means to have the mind of Christ. In the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul has been talking about the natural man, the man who is without Christ, the man who does not have the spirit of God. And so he can't understand the, the things of the spirit of God because he doesn't have the spirit of God in him so he can bring understanding. It's just totally foreign to him. He, he, he's, he's clueless. He, he, his thinking is all messed up. He's thinking only like the world thinks and there's nothing spiritual going on. The, the natural man does not have the spirit of God. So there's no basis to give him understanding as he tries to think about these things. Then in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13. And I end up in the wrong book and in the wrong place. Verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he quotes Isaiah. For who has known the mind of the Lord? There it is, the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him and then circle or underline whatever you know, emphasize in your heart, in your mind, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Literally, it's we have the thinking of Christ. We think how Christ thinks. So let me just give you a little definition. I should have put this in the outline, and I didn't. Having the mind of Christ means, this is what having the mind of Christ means. It means sharing the plan, Sharing the purpose and sharing the perspective of Christ. Sharing the plan, sharing the purpose, and sharing the perspective of Christ. I just noticed they all begin with P. Plan, purpose, and perspective of Christ. And recognize this also. This is something that all believers in Jesus Christ possess. We have the mind of Christ, which means we share his plan, we share his purpose, we share his perspective. And so having the mind of Christ, that means we understand God's plan in the world. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going out there by all kinds of people who have no idea what God's plan for the world is. We know what God's plan is for the world from his word. We understand that God's plan is primarily number one, number one thing, and the world doesn't get this, God's plan is primarily to bring glory to himself. Glory to himself. And we understand God's plan now in this corrupted world, that it's God's plan to restore creation to its original splendor. To restore creation to its original splendor. We understand that God's plan is to bring salvation for sinners. It means that we identify with Christ's purpose to seek and to save that which was lost. So it means that we also share Jesus' perspective of humility and obedience. And that's what it means to have the same attitude, the same thinking as Jesus Christ. So so turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. In the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians, we see what it means to have the same mind as Christ. W-D-J-D. What does Jesus think? And he begins in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then Paul says, make my joy complete. How, how does Paul want his joy to be complete? How is joy made the completer of these things? And he says, by being of the same mind, there it is, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. To have the same thinking is to have the mind of Christ, to have the same thinking of Christ And then when we have the same thinking as Christ, the same mind, we're going to maintain the same love. We're going to love as Christ's love. The same love as Christ. We're going to be united in spirit. We're going to be united in the spirit of Christ. Then we're going to be intent on one purpose. The purpose of Christ. This is true unity. It's not having the same opinions about things. It's to be intent on one purpose. Maintaining the same love for one another It's being united in the Spirit of God. And then he says in verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Because when you focus on yourself and you do it for your own purposes, you're an isolated voice. You're an isolated voice. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. If you have the New American Standard Bible, that word merely is in italics. That means it's been added. What Paul says here, do not look out for your own personal interest. So the translators, they've softened that a little bit. Personally, I don't think it should be, be softened. Do not look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. And then Paul tells us what our attitude is to be, what our thinking is to be. Have this attitude. Literally, have this thinking. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death On the cross. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers of the 19th century, he said of this, What a blessed harmony it would be if not only in if if not only all in any one church, but all in the whole of the churches were like-minded toward one another according to Jesus Christ. It will be so when he gathers those who are now scattered. But may, it, may we never hope to have it so here on earth? I cannot tell. But on any rate, let us all strive after it. Let us all endeavor to pitch our tune according to Christ's keynote. And the nearer we get to that, the less discord there will be in the psalmody of the church. We shall be like-minded with one another when we become like-minded with Christ, but not until then. And then A.W. Tozer relates it to the tuning of pianos. He wrote, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to one another? Yeah. You know, I've heard it put another way. You know, if you tune one piano to the next piano to the next piano, then you got that gossiping game that we used to play. And then everybody's out of tune. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to one another, they are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, probably about 15, or 15 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ or in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have closer fellowship with one another by trying to have closer fellowship with one another. And we don't have closer fellowship with one another by tearing one another down. It just makes common sense. No, we look to Christ. We have the attitude of Christ. Serving one another, loving one another, thinking more highly of one another, following the example of Christ, then we think of ourselves. Not focusing on ourselves. And becoming an isolated vocal. And in the process of being in tune with Christ, we are in tune with one another. And the results are tremendous. Verse 6 of Romans chapter 15. And notice that verse 6 begins with two words, with the words, so that, so that. And what follows the word so that is what's called a purpose clause. So that we can fulfill a specific purpose. God answers the prayer to give us perseverance and encouragements and grants us to be of the same mind with one another according to the mind of Jesus Christ. So that for this purpose, Verse 6, so that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's purpose in this unity. The The word translated accord, one accord there, means the same passion. The same passion. And so passion has emotion with it. It's the same heart. You with one heart. You with one mouth glorify God. You know what happens when you're really passionate about something and your heart is full of heartfelt emotion? Whatever it is, it's just going to flow out of your mouth, right? It just bursts forth. What lives in the heart will spill out of the mouth. With our voices, We express what we really feel inside, what we're passionate about, what we're happy about, what we're joyful about. And if we're eager to serve the Lord, then we will sing loudly and the praises of God and make a joyful noise. My father-in-law said, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I can make a joyful noise. (laughs) And And that's what he did. And we will praise in our work, in our praises, in our singing, in everything that we do for the glory of God, we will, with one voice, praise the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And it points to the fact here that what we learn from scriptures, under the blessing of God, there's going to be a harmonious spirit in the church. And with that same love, that same exuberance, and that same passion, we will act on that. We will praise God. We will glorify him with one voice. But if we're only concerned about ourselves and what we want and, and all that goes along with that, if we're only looking to ourselves or looking to, to others to do what we want them to do you know, then, and not looking to Christ, then we're going to be an isolated vocal, out of sync and out of harmony with the rest of the church. There were strong disagreements and tensions in the church at Rome between Jews and Gentiles. In fact, they were having difficulty getting along with one another. That whole idea underlines this entire, the longest section in the practical section in the book of Romans. But when the church gives itself to glorifying God, there's a deep and satisfying unity And that is what Paul is looking for here. And that is what Paul is praying for on our behalf.